Hi, and welcome to this episode of Rule of Carnage. Um, this is a video series, a podcast, a series of conversations uh, between myself, Glenn Ford, a games designer and developer, and this splendid man, Mike Hutchinson, also a games designer and developer, about designing better miniatures games. Now, there is um, a game design principle um, I think sort of come, came across from video games, but it, it, it's it's true for everybody, is that your game is about what your players spend most of their time doing. Mm. You might think your game is about one or another thing, but if your players spend 50% of their time doing one thing and one thing only, and the rest of the time spread amongst a bunch of other things, then your game is about that one thing in actuality. Now, in relation to two or more player tabletop games, and particularly tabletop miniatures games, your players are going to spend 50% or more of their time in downtime, by definition. Yeah. By, 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 by literal, you know, the nature of the, of the thing. Half of their time, if it's a two-player game, is going to be downtime. And if there are more than two players, more than half of their time is going to be downtime. But even if you get it down to like 40% of the time by having like a level of interaction, it's still going to be the thing they spend more single time doing than any other thing they do in the game. So this is my like big idea here, is that your game is about it's downtime. That is the main defining feature of your game. And the thing is, we're all terrified of downtime. All mm. the game designers are absolutely terrified of it. It's it's this absolute boogeyman that keeps us up at night. You know, whether there's too much downtime, whether downtime is too downy, whether there's too little sort of going on interaction or best put some extra save roles in there so that people feel like they're involved with the game during their downtime and i want to engage with the idea of being less afraid of it of of accepting that if it is what your game is going to be about there's you've got to consider making it interesting and useful and worthwhile and 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 active and something other than you know there, there are games that people have said you could play with a chess clock and bang the chess clock and walk away from the table mm. until like it's your turn and then come back and play play your turn and, that's, and yeah and that's that's often not true because like you're trying to analyze the game state and think about your moves but in miniatures games which can be very dynamic mm. um like it's quite possible that there's such a change in game state that is really difficult to make any kind of sensible strategic determinations early on in the downtime. Yeah, and I think one of the things about downtime, one of the ways I th I think that you can see how defining they are of these sorts of games is like in other games, like video games and, and often sports games, people talk about things like flow state and things where it's like, what what defines a lot of those games is the the rhythm you get into as you're flowing through the game and you're running along and everything's happening and mm. then the design like drops bricks in to break your flow state and make you sort of sit back and that's how they create a rhythm and a fashion of the game and the really good players of those games are really good at getting into the flow state for that particular game the speed runners the the high end you know players of fighting games are just like constantly in that 
that flow state that most players only ever enter into a, a few short times. Now, mm. our sorts of games definitely aren't about that. And the top players of those games aren't about that. Our games are about the ability to, like, the top players of tabletop miniatures games are able to switch focus on and off like at, at will that they can they can they can switch away from the game at, at certain points and they can switch the focus on absolutely and and if you have the ability to focus at the right times at the right points um you have a huge advantage over somebody who has to pay attention to everything like great chess players are great because they know to not pay attention to 99% of what is available on any given chessboard. It's why designing, you know, uh, chess playing computers was such a challenge because computers had to check every single option. They couldn't focus in the way that human brains can. Mm. And figuring out how the downtime of your game and where it lands and where it happens for different players shifts or requires them to turn their focus on or turn their focus off in order to avoid just being exhausted by the information that is irrelevant to their decision-making process, I think is, is extremely definitional for these sorts of games. And I think is something that is worth, I don't know, maybe philosophically or whatever, considering but in relation to how you design a game and how you build it and the rhythms and the beats. Because we talked before about like the rhythms of games and I've had people t sort of, well, what, what do you mean by that? How, how do you define the rhythm of play, the, the sequence of play, the story be beats? How do you put story beats into a completely emergent and completely sort of unpredictable um, thing? And it's, for me, it's about how one of the big features is about how you place out your downtime moments, how you switch the game on and off for players, and who you switch it on and off for at various points. That's the thing that's that's been going that was a that was a great pitch. I love it. <laughs> that's the thing that's been going through my mind, and I thought talking words about it on a video about designing games would be a thing. So look, listen, there's there's a couple of things that I want to, if not challenge, I just want to kind of pick at and have a have a little look at. Because I really like I really like the general idea and I wanna I wanna I wanna understand it more. I think one thing, like one of the reasons that I like elegant resolution systems that are lightweight, and I like as a general rule, alternating activations, is that what you get is a rhythm where um i watch you changing the game state in a way that's very fast and that hopefully i have some potential to influence over or a decision to spend a resource to influence and with that small increment of game state play passes to me i have an opportunity to increment the game state in a small way in a way that doesn't interrupt with a chunky like annoying uh, unwieldy mechanic and that's how we get a rhythm. We get a we get a blow, counter blow, counter blow. And every time you're in the middle of counter punching, I'm holding a couple of chips going, is this the moment that I use my chip or not? Um, and I'm calculating all the kind of possibilities of where pressure might be applied. And so for me, like I definitely have experienced flow state regularly in games where both of those things are true. I think in games where there is a much more significant period of time where like 
you are moving your whole army i'm chilling out and scratching my ass like you know and then we swap over like that for me is a more sedate sort of exchange of like letters to, from one to the other it's not a flow state in anything like the same way and I agree that that's okay and that that's actually a fine way to play a game and it's not that every game has to be a sort of rapid fire you know jousting match where we're completely in each other's faces and there's this flow state of exchange of game states but in these little tiny ways and maybe that's partly it it's like another way of framing this is like in, instead of your game being about downtime your game is about exchanging game state and like how enjoyable is it to pass a puzzle over to the other player and say well during my turn i'm going to pass this over to you and therefore your downtime is about considering the game state that i could pass back to you or how you are going to change the game state in the future like if scenario planning and basically saying okay well if he does that that gives me three decent options of this of those options this one's going to create the most interesting options and so like uh yeah and then i guess like i really really like the idea that your game is about the downtime because of course we obsess about what it is that we're doing in the downtime and i think that there are two obvious things that you can do in the downtime beyond relaxing <laughs> and one is enjoying the mayhem that's going on and i think gaslands at its best does a good job of using using downtime in kind of a collaborative sort of chortling along with whatever nonsense is going on and people who get knocked out don't have as much fun like people who wipe out and can't play for a little while don't have as much fun but they are still chortling along and pointing at the templates and enjoying people being set on fire and i think that's one that i immediately jump to and the other is as i said like um considering how to spend my resources if i have an opportunity to spend them in your turn and infinity is a fantastic example of that you know billion suns has that with the command tokens i think modern 40k the 10th edition has has lost a little momentum on this like only have one or two what what are called command points and so i've got a couple of decisions to make in your entire army's turn and it would just be a lot nicer if there were more like five decisions rather than two yeah, I mean, I th I think that sort of um, reaction, optional reaction points are are a more transgressive thing than we sometimes give them credit for. It's like, so in a billion suns, you've got the these fungible resources that at various points the game like boxes out a little sequence and says here's a point where you'll be allowed to spend a fungible resource and you spend it or you don't yeah spend so this it. is this is like you know you, you're about to get shot you can spend a resource to bump your saving throw up mm -hmm. and something that looked like a soft target is now not as soft yeah whereas there are games that say when x happens when someone passes in line of sight of your shooter you have an option to spend a resource to interrupt and and do something and there's it's not a boxed out thing in the way that like a billion suns boxes are out into shooting phases and sh they're, they're generally i'm shooting at you you're probably going to have some sort of reaction ability we accept that this in the interactive moment of the game right and, and um, 40k 10th edition does this when it says like when someone completes a move or a charge there's like a brief player interrupt window where you can spend a command point to overwatch them yeah, whereas the sorts of games who say 
anywhere along the passage of movement of a particular other miniature, you can stop them and go, right, this is when I'm spending my resource. That is an extremely transgressive thing for those games to do. If you think about the nature of games, the, the, the thing that one of the reasons we play games like, I know, Snakes and Ladders for Small Children, is that teaching you to take your turn is a very important thing to teach small children. It's, mm. it, it's one of the reasons we play absolute baloney games with very small children, because it's a really important social construct, a thing to understand, taking your turn, knowing that it's not your turn, are really, really important for like mm. social life. And then for a game to go, no, you don't. You, you, you don't need to take your turn. You can steal. We can just talk over the top of each other. Yeah, you can steal the turn from the other person when they don't want you to, when they're not expecting you to. You can just go, my turn now. That's an insane thing to try. If you think about it, you know, about what it means and, and how it works. There's a, there's a board game um, called Once Upon a Time, and it's a storytelling board game, and you literally tell a fairy tale story. And then if you say certain words, other people have got on their cards, they can steal the story from you. And that designer spoke, talked about how he designed that game because you're not allowed to interrupt other people when they're speaking. Mm. That's a, a fundamental sort of basic social construct. And he just wanted to make a game that got to say to you, you're, you're allowed to interrupt now. You're allowed. It's part of the game. It's part of the play. And, yeah. And the fact that one of the main ways that breaks the idea of downtime is an act that is like social construct, normal behavior, absolutely anathema, stealing another person's turn mm. from them. I think it's, I just think that's incredibly fascinating. I think that's incredibly important and, and odd and, mm. and special and thinking about the way that the 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 thing that breaks out from from this sort of downtime idea is a thing that breaks out from like all social norms of the way you're allowed to act towards another human being especially in the magic circle of a game where we mm. know that turns are like super sacrosanct i just think that that's a very magical weird powerful mm. thing and i think it's the sort of thing that considering all of the things that go into games and the, the things they teach us and the ways they affect us i think that's really interesting and i, I don't i'm not sure i have anything super insightful to say no no i think that's good i think just pointing at that one and going how how strange i haven't played a truly interrupted game for a while um it'd be interesting to go back and uh and and have a play of one with with that kind of concept in mind one thing I have been playing recently um, is uh, so I was I was noodling around with this is not a test, um, Joey Maguire's uh, post apocalyptic game, and that has an activation mechanic that uh, the net result of which is you don't know how long the downtime that you're currently having is going to last for. So you try and activate a model, and then at some point you fail, and then it's suddenly my turn, and you haven't finished activating your gang, but now it's my turn to have the next activation. And I will activate for a, a while until I fail an activation test, and now suddenly it's your turn. And unlike um, 
unlike Blood Bowl, it's not a turnover. You don't lose the rest of the activations. It just provides some uncertainty about the sequence of the activations across the turn. And so if you get lucky and have all your activations, then I have all my activations and it's like a I go, you go system. But that is intriguing because um, using the, the the terminology that I was using earlier, like it sort of it doesn't allow you to know what the, the quantum of game state that's going to be passed is until the very moment when the table flips and you're like, oh, wow, OK, oh, right, I have to make a decision. Um, and the obvious thing that you were going to do, because if you fail, they get to make one AP rather than two APs. And so they got to move a little bit. So they do hand a small amount of game state change over to you. So you can't like plan for exactly what they're going to do. And I think that's that's intriguing because it almost says, well, now your games, your downtime is is almost completely unusable. Like I can't do anything in that downtime because I don't know what the state is going to be until the exact moment that it ceases to be downtime for me. And then I have to make it a, a skit. And, and I don't know that that's bad. Like that is something that people who play that game really enjoy that game for. Like it's a moment of like tactical pressure where you're like, oh, wow, I have to make a decision now. It's fast. Like it, you know, it goes some way to sort of, you know, putting that pressure of like, it's a combat zone. I can't know everything. And that's cool. But it doesn't really answer the question, like, what am I supposed to do in my downtime? Yeah. The game obviously will provide other answers because there's lots of fun mechanics of like crap that's going on. But yeah. And I, but the thing is, I think in, inherently, I think there's an interesting point there where throwing up like the turn, every time you mess with the turn, the nature of turn taking, you're, you're breaking these sort of in, inherent rules. And people find it delightful when things don't do what they were meant to do when things act in a way that is peculiar and shocking and you know I, I i have a small child and that small child loves it when things go wrong or that he perceives as going wrong because that's not what was meant to happen at that moment that is inherently hilarious and mm -hmm. you know as grown-ups like jokes work often by subverting our expectations and any time like a turn order system subverts your expectations of how long it's going to last for when it's going to turn over how it's going to turn over there's something very delightful in that 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 is a powerful tool to use on the other hand it can be very divisive like you mentioned blood bowl which is a wonderful game and incredibly popular and obviously very brilliant but the fact that one person can take like activate their entire team and then it's your activation and one incredibly awful ridiculous unlikely dice roll means that basically you you only got to by like one guy there's such a sense of crushing injustice when that happens. <laughs> and you know the nature of blood bowl players they're like yeah you know <laughs> well i mean you're you're a blood bowl player because you're okay with that yeah if you're not okay with it you're not a blood bowl player absolutely but like that the, the... Right. it's it, i don't know if it's a 50 50 split but it's very divisive <laughs> well remember remembering that you're pressing on like deep nerves with, with some of these things when you play around with them when you fiddle around with them remembering that these are like things that are baked into us you know uh, at, a, at a young age and throughout our lives i think is really important and i think it's important to like consider these things and consider like how you muck about with them or whether to muck about with them and understand how i mean look the, the other the, the other element of this is like you know 
for for me like to go to go on the negative side of this like what does bad downtime look for me like for me it's really clear what bad downtime looks like one of the one of the things that i like i'm playing a lot of 10th edition 40k at the moment for a couple of reasons one is there's a real decent dude that i know and he this is the one game that he knows how to play the other is i'm just super intrigued and i'm trying to get like back into it just to kind of feel what what a what one of those big games from gw feels like right now but like bad downtime for me is watching another person struggle with a lumbering resolution system that i have to be part of even though my part is utterly mechanical and disinteresting and offers no decision of any kind other than the like you know other than the like what's the word i'm looking for perfunctory uh addition of like you have one resource that you can spend across like 15 to 20 combat like resolutions you know you've got one resource that you probably aren't going to spend on a saving throw but you could so you have to be aware of it and then i have to be part of all these sodding resolutions where i have to roll all my saves or you know it, um, it... and that is bad downtime it's draining it's disinteresting and like i don't need to be there but i have to be there mm. no absolutely and saving throws are such a weird thing in the people get so unhappy when you take their saving throws away from them but they, they, they don't you're not doing anything it's not actual non-downtime it, it's just like painting a white wall white it's you're technically doing something sure but it's not a thing you're not required it'd be, it'd be, it's almost like so sorry idea for a mechanic it's almost like the only point of it is that rolling dice is fun and so every time Glenn does something, I, Mike, should be allowed to roll some dice. I mean, that could be the mechanic, is every time you move, I get to, like, roll ten dice, and if I get any ones or sixes or whatever, I'm allowed to do something with them. You know, like, a almost like a real-time dice-rolling dice, like um, like Space Cadets or something, mm. where you're, like, you're just rolling dice the whole time. Because you know what's fun? Rolling dice. It'd be really <laughs> difficult to record a battle report on YouTube, because it'd be constant dice-rolling noise. But, like, maybe that's it. Like, downtime is about rolling dice, because rolling dice is fun. Fine. Every time I roll, like, you know, a full house, one, two, three, four, five, six, I'm allowed to go, oh, you've stepped on a mine. Look, they're right there. Yep, yep. Give give one person 10 dice. They can roll them as many times as they like. Um, you know, save dice. If they get all one, get them to be all ones, they get to interrupt and do something. Oh, okay. So yeah. So can we go, can we go to the one dark place that we haven't been yet? I think even maybe on this podcast. I think we've maybe talked about it once. I was rereading a prototype game. Uh, that I wrote a couple of years ago, or maybe 18 months ago, called Loot Box, which is a fully simultaneous war game that I have never playtested because <laughs> I'm pretty certain it doesn't work. But the intention being like, okay, well, let's push this to the utter ridiculous extreme. We're all playing all of the time. And there's some way of resolving combat that's like, well, if I move and there happens to be like a shooting dice that someone else has placed on the table within like an inch of me, I'm like, oh, I have to resolve the shooting dice because this, you know, this bullet is now next to me. And so I can imagine that there is a possibility of creating a simultaneous miniature game, but it's it's a challenge that I haven't seen successfully achieved, certainly not by me yet. Yeah, yeah. And the, yeah. It is, it, it is something that we've come to a few times. It's like, is, is there a way of creating a tabletop miniatures game with zero downtime? I suppose my ultimate question here is, even if there is, why not just make the downtime good rather than try and eliminate it? Um, I, I, I think it is inherent to these games, and I think that it defines 
I think if you des- if you design one of these sorts of games, it defines them because it is so much of what your player is going to be doing. And design- I don't know. I, th- I think I think I think right now it is. I don't disagree with that statement as applied to all current miniature games. I'm not certain it's a definitional feature of the form. I think that maybe considering how you parcel it out, um, how it comes in bursts and beats and yeah, moments yeah. through the game, uh, is is for the moment a worthwhile thing. Unless you're going to do something really transgressive and you know transformational and peculiar. Um, but you know, like one odd thing is that, like even in multiplayer video games where you'd sort of naturally imagine that downtime doesn't exist like in most cases it does like think of the sort of like fragged animation and the painful waits to respawn like even in something like quake Mm. where that's a very short loop like there is a moment of downtime and what's cool about that downtime is you're surprised by your own death you're angry at the person you're like planning your revenge you're like thinking about the mistakes that you made like so much excitement and like regret and 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 forethought is going into like just that few moments between getting fragged and wanting to respawn but that, but, but i think that that is one of the reasons that it, the the it's that that exi- the existence of that downtime is a choice for those game those designers, designers right yeah you could you could get fragged and instantly respawned with no yeah, delay there right? is There's no possible way that the computer can't do that yeah, they did not need to put that downtime in on any level. They chose to do it because of the way it makes their players feel in those moments. It makes dying mean something because the only way they can make it mean something, the only way they can make it actually really affect you is to take your fun away from you for like a few seconds and let you think about what you did and then give it and then put you back in there and get you get you running back in. They choose that downtime, those sorts of games, and they choose it for very important reasons as mm. game designers. Now, we are probably, like I say, unless you're doing something like pretty out there, stuck with that downtime. Why did those other designers choose to put it in? And what can you do with it, given that you've got to give it to somebody that does the same sorts of things, creates the same sorts of things? Because you know, we talk about Blood Bowl. One of the things about Blood Bowl is you fail and then you get punished by being given downtime, you know, and, and that is a significant thing. And it, like I say, it turns some people very much off the game, but it's an, it's a fascinating game design choice. The mm. way the downtime arrives in that game is like, not only if you failed a thing you were trying to do, which is unpleasant and your plan is falling to pieces and that's a punishment but now i'm going to give you the most real world punishment i can give you as a game designer i take your fun away and i'll watch you make you sit back and watch while the other guy pummels you for a minute and Mm. you know that's real actual pain that you're really giving a player yeah and it yeah i think considering those things the emotional reactions to them the ways you can break them the reasons that other designers choose to put them in um and it's it's interesting like that that choice that choice to like that choice to punish a punish a problem like punish a mistake with the removal of the fun like that is not what waiting for your turn feels like most of the time because all that we're doing here is that we're just being very British about like, well, 
let, let me allow you to move your army first and then and then I will move mine. No, you take your time, you take your time. And it's not at all the same. Yeah, no, absolutely. But absolutely. then, you know, maybe maybe that's why that's maybe that's why people uh, enjoy unpredictable activation systems. Uh, yeah, absolutely. In in most games, in most turn taking games, in the classic I go you go systems, it's it's the cost of doing business. We play these sorts of games; they're turn taking games, and so downtime is the inevitable outcome of the system within which we live. And then newer games and newer designers are playing with that concept and pulling the downtime into different places, positioning it as results of different things, putting it in like subverted locations giving you things to do during it and it's one of the main ways i think you know we talk a lot of times about the tech of these sorts of games you look at older war games they're just these big chunks of downtime because this is what we do we we take turns yeah, because i've put all of the interesting stuff into the uptime that's clearly where the game is the downtime is just a cost of as you say a cost of doing business yes you you go have a nice pint i'll let you know when when it's your go and more modern game designers have started going well no downtime is a thing it's a thing it makes people feel a certain way it's a part of my game should I parcel it out and increase the turnover thinking time part of it? Should I make it a reward or a punishment for playing well or playing badly? Do I use it as a catch-up mechanic, you know, on, on somebody that the better they're doing, maybe the more downtime they're forced to endure? All these sorts of things I think are worth considering. And it's, I'm just trying to say that it's a huge tool and it's a huge defining part of your game it's not just a thing that happens and a thing that you have to just try and kill every time you see it don't just whack-a-mole it without thought consider where you've placed it you chose where the downtime went in your game you are the designer you chose to put downtime in one place or another you chose to give it to one player or another why why did you give it to them? Why did you put it there? It wasn't just a coincidence. These aren't just the, the way that the cookie crumbles and where the dice fall. These are all intentional choices. They better be intentional choices that you made. Think about them, consider them, consider the way that they affect your players and maybe reposition that downtime. Think of it as a real part of the game. It's as an important mechanic as the dice or the cards or the movement or the miniatures. Don't just dismiss it and don't just treat it as a null space within your design. That's that's the long and the short of my Yeah, this was this was a really good this was a really good chat actually. Um we don't you know, we don't always we don't always discuss the the the, the meat of the topics that we're going to discuss in advance. This one has completely blindsided me and caught me out like, you know, you you've just pulled this one out of nowhere, but it's fascinating. I really, really like it. Re yeah, uh, more thoughts more thoughts and we might come up with a follow-up conversation on this i think yeah um so this is uh, this is something that i've really you know really been thinking about i think is really important and is really useful to consider um if you're designing a game if you're playing it i assume you play games if you're watching this channel you've experienced downtime in a game um when did you experience it where it felt like the designer cared about it you know placed it somewhere with intent rather than just you take a turn and then you're not taking a turn you know this is yeah. what happens um how did it make you feel um how was it used 
what's the best downtime you ever experienced in a game? Tell me <laughs> these things and more. I really, really want to know. From I tell you what, I tell you what, there are at least three times in like high level Malifaux play, like at tournaments where I was at like, you know, sort of relatively near the top of the pack for some unknown reason. <laughs> and like in that game, sometimes you you make a couple of moves and it's like turn four or turn three. And then you lift your hands up from the table and you go, there, I have set you the best puzzle I can I can think of. Solve my maze. And then you hand that over to them. And that like that for me, that's the best be the best downtime I've ever experienced is like that. Like, OK, solve my maze. I did that. That's that's all I've got. <laughs> well, that's that, that's Mike's. Tell me about yours. Um, hit on the like and subscribe buttons while you're down there. Um, swing by the Discord. This is a conversation I want to have with people. It's a thing I think been thinking about, and I think it's a thing worth thinking about. So swing by there, hit me up, talk to me about it. I'll talk to you about it. Um, but for now, from this episode of Rule of Carnage, I think it's a thank you and goodbye. So thank you and goodbye. Bye 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 bye. 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 Thanks. <laughs>